monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan, some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Hello and welcome to the Bride of the Creature podcast. I am the creature Joey G. And with me, as always, is the cutest podcaster in town, the bride, Nicole G. Hello. How are you, love? I'm good. How are you? I'm real good. Very good, in fact. Good. Yes, I am am quite well, and (laughs) I'm trying to think of more, like, words I can use to describe it, like, really... Fine. I'm fine. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) But I'm I'm near madness, Nicole. Why? I'm near madness for I have dared glance at the dark contents of the dreaded Necronomicon of the mad Arab Abdul Al-Hazred, as discovered in the nameless city. You look kind of mad right now. Your hair is doing this whole In his crazy... house at Malaya, dead Cthulhu waits dreaming. Cthulhu Fatagin! Cthulhu Fatagin! <laughs> you should see the look on your face right now. I was trying to do like a fun little intro because it was our Lovecraft show. <laughs> you sound so crazy. And you look yeah, crazy. I've been driven to madness by the, the words of the Necronomicon, by the mad era. Oh, yes. That's what did it. It was. <laughs> Why do you have to be like this? You're the real mad Arab. My hair looks fine. I'm just I'm not talking about hair. Anyway, this is our Lovecraft show, Nicole, because we watched a movie based on Lovecraft. Yes, we did. We watched a movie called Dagon, which was directed by Stuart Gordon, who also directed the Bri- who also directed Reanimator, which is also based on a Lovecraft story. Reanimator is. Yeah, it's based on Herbert West Reanimator. He also directed Dreams in the Witch House, which was an episode of Masters of Horror, and you know what that was based on? A Lovecraft story. He just loves him some Lovecraft. As well he should. Oh, he loves Lovecraft. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh, dear. That's oh, cute. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's probably the only time anyone could describe anything pertaining to these stories as cute. Yes. But, but I'm, the I'm the cutest podcaster in town, so if there true. was a way to find a cute thing, it'd be me. I agree. Well, Nicole, why don't we uh, turn down the lights, and by the light of yonder gibbous moon, we shall watch the trailer for Dagon from 2001. All right. Lovecraft always talks about a gibbous moon. in a boat off the coast of Espana. Honey, our stock could be going underwater and we wouldn't even know it. What are you doing? I'm just going on vacation. I'd say we've got a storm coming up. Brace yourself! We're gonna have to take the raft into that town for help. We need help! What kind of church is this? What the hell's going on here?
uh, supposed to meet someone here? A woman? Senorita? You want to tell me what's wrong with everybody in this town? I tell you a secret. No one leaves. People come, but no one leaves. What are you trying to kill us? What do we do to you? I am Mashia. I've been waiting for you. Barbara? They give And the child will be immortal. If it happens to me, you've got to promise you'll kill me. Forget your world and your friends. There will be no time. No today, no yesterday. Only the forever. And forever. And forever without end. I don't have a choice, do I? Alright, so this, I was very excited to watch this. I've been wanting to watch this for a while. And we approach this film from something of an interesting direction. What do you mean? I'm going to explain. Okay, go ahead. No one's stopping you. You are, by interrupting. What? I'm supposed to talk too. It's not just the Joey show. Oh, what a much better show it would be. Can you imagine? Not oh. just the creature show. I can't, oh, I don't I dare to dream, Joey. I dare to dream. Anyway, my point is. We're coming at this from I can different leave. angles. I can leave if you want. I don't want you to leave. It's called a joke. Perhaps you've heard of it. Can you turn this light on? It's like I'm blind in here. It hurts my eyes. We need more light. No, it's fine in no, here. please turn the light on. It's hurting my eyes. You are so sensitive. <laughs> anyway, but I, now she's gone. Now it's the Joey Show. <laughs> Thank you for turning the light on. Okay, so what I was going to say is, uh, like I mentioned about a thousand times, this film is based on some H.P. Lovecraft stories. Uh, specifically stories called Dagon and the Shadow Over Innsmouth. Uh, and I'm a big fan of H.P. Lovecraft. You've read a lot, haven't you? Yeah, I haven't read all of his stories by any stretch, but I've read a fair few of them, most of the major ones, including the two that this film was based on, and I reread them this week in preparation for this show. I'm glad you reread them because I wanted to read them, and then I don't think I'd like them. Ah, but that is where we... This is a good thing because I, as a fan of Lovecraft have all this background, and I'm familiar with the stories, and I'm a big fan. Whereas you are a veritable babe in the woods, a neophyte. <laughs> you don't know from Lovecraft, so we get to see this from two very unique perspectives. Me, the Lovecraft geek, who kind of knows the stories it's based on and knows the lore, and you, just, you know, fresh as a daisy. So we can compare uh, and see how that affected our uh, enjoyment of the flower. film. You are, you are a flower, and I'm blooming. Okay, yeah. See what I'm doing with my hands? I do see that. Yes, and like a flower. So before we talk about um, the film, can I tell you a little bit about the two stories it's based on? 
Yes, Professor Joey. Thank you. So the two stories, like I mentioned, are Dagon, which is an earlier story. It's shorter, uh, which is about a guy who gets shipwrecked and um, discovers these fish monsters who chase him around an island. And then at the end, he manages to get back to, to town, and he's going to get killed by some... It's one of, A lot of the H.P. Lovecraft stories end with the guy who's writing his journal, writing about how, oh no, they're at the door, they've come to get me. Yeah. And that's how that story ends. Like, the fish uh, monsters, the, the cult of Dagon has come to destroy him because he knows too much about the island that they discovered. The devil's So it's different than the ending of our, the movie Dagon. Well, that's what's interesting is the movie Dagon is not based on that story really at all, other than the fact that it's called Dagon and it's about Dagon. Well, it's got the fish monsters in the city. Well, that's what I'm getting to. The other story is called The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which is one of his novellas. It's a bit longer, and it's the one that basically this is a... F- Fairly faithful adaptation of. In, um, in, well, in, what's it called? The Shadow Over Innsmouth. And now, is there a silent film that was made is about this, that one? No, there's a silent film of The Call of Cthulhu. Oh, okay. Yeah. I watched that but one we with watched you. together. That was really good. No, but in The Shadow Over Innsmouth, uh, a young man hears about this town Innsmouth as he's exploring New, uh, New England, and he goes to investigate it because everyone he talks to refuses to go there, and it's this horrifying, horrible place that no one trusts and everyone hates. And he goes there and discovers um, the, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's the same name that the church in the movie has on their wall, the something-something of Dagon. Mm-hmm. It's this, the cult of Dagon, basically. And the backstory that the fisherman, who we'll talk about, gives in the film is basically from that movie. So it's the same monster, Dagon is the deity, and the fish creatures, and the people turning into fish creatures and all that. So this is a fairly accurate adaptation of The Shadow Over Rain's Mouth, with a few minor and a few major changes, but more or less it's fairly faithful to the original story. So it's really based on the Shadow Over Innsmouth, but um, Dagon is the name of the deity. And actually, in the movie, you know how the town they're in is called in, um, Inboca? That's the name of the Spanish yes. town they're in? Yeah. Uh, like, literally, if you take the words in and boca, they mean in mouth in Spanish. So it's oh. in mouth. So in the short stories, are they connected? Are the short stories connected? They're connected in that they're about the same deity. Like, Dagon, a lot of Lovecraft stories reference a lot of the same things. So the same pantheon of elder gods, so like Cthulhu and Yogg-Sothoth and Azathoth and all these other characters, including Dagon. So it's almost like he created his own little he world. He created a whole world and a whole mythos of interconnecting mythology. And a whole bunch of other authors used that same mythos and wrote stories in those same universes about those same uh, creatures or gods, if That's you really interesting. It is interesting. It's one of the coolest <laughs> things about H.P. Lovecraft. But, so I just thought I would say that I, I, those two stories are fairly fresh in my mind as we watch the movie, and I'm curious to see whether or not my knowledge of the stories affected my enjoyment of the movie versus your enjoyment of the movie. Right. So, should I start with just a quick explanation of what the film Dagon is about? Or should I continue, rather, not start? Yeah, you, you do it. Okay, I'll do it quick. So, uh, we have Paul, who is a, a stock Paul? market tycoon. Can you say his name again? Paul, who is vacationing <laughs> off the shores of Spain with his girlfriend Barbara and their friends Vicky and Howard. They don't really explain why they're there. They don't explain why Paul is a millionaire or why that matters. Um, the whole yeah. first 20 minutes of this movie are borderline terrible. Because the acting is not very good. It, it, it ranges from mediocre to bad. The acting is just horrendously Mostly bad. Mostly the first 20 minutes, though. I mean, as the film mm. goes on, it's not as bad. It's definitely, like, it, the performances are, some of them are okay, some of them are just average, and some of them are pretty good. We, we can argue about that later. But basically, um, uh, a great big uh, storm blows up just as the boat is nearing this fishing village of Imboka. 
the storm pushes the boat onto the rocks. And Vicky, the woman, is trapped below deck with her leg trapped like between the hull and a rock so they can't free her. Uh, and the boat is filling with water. So, you know, bad shit's happening. So Paul and his girlfriend, Barbara, they're coming to get you, Barbara, uh, haul ass to shore to try and get help. And at shore, they end up getting separated. And the villagers in this town who... I wouldn't say that they're not what they seem to be because they seem to be bad right from the start. Like, a lot of them have their faces covered. And we learn as the thing goes on why their faces are covered. And But they're basically just bad dudes who are clearly in some kind of a cult. And most of the movie follows Paul as he's trying to escape from them. And then the finale reunites him and Barbara and a few other characters. And we have a great big uh, culty thing at the end. So, Nicole. A culty thing. So, having no knowledge of Lovecraft and without any background knowledge to know or maybe fill in some of the gaps that may or may not have been there... Uh, did the film Dagon work for you? It did not work for me. No, I... Be more specific. <laughs> well, I was about <laughs> to. You interrupted Unacceptable. me. <laughs> Go ahead. You totally threw me off my okay, so mind track. Okay, so the film Dagon didn't work for you. Why? Um, it started off bad with the bat. Really, it really did start off pretty weak. bad acting. But as soon as I got under the dinghy, I thought it picked up. It did pick a up. Bit. I still felt the acting was horrendously bad the whole movie through. The main character, Paul, played by um, Ezra God, and I agree, he wasn't very good. And no, he, it was more than not very good. He got better for me by the end. When he wasn't like doing dialogue with other characters, because like, he sounds horrible when he's doing his dialogue, I agree. Yeah, that's what acting is about. No, not necessarily. Like, I believed all the situations where he was running away from the... Uh, like all the physical stuff he had to do, all the scenarios where he's running away from the other, from the creatures, all that stuff that he has to carry the film with, I actually thought was fine. But his dialogue is very wooden. It's not very well read at all. It's almost like cartoony, the way he does the dialogue. I agree. He was the third worst performance in the movie. <laughs> you already have some in Well, yeah. Vicky and um, the other guy. The, uh, Hank? Pa- uh, whatever his name was. The guy on the boat. Howard. Vicky and Howard oh. were both just awful. No. Vicky, Vicky gets a tiny bit of redemption towards the end when she comes back and she has this crazy freak out and she's not bad. See, for me, the the main character, Paul, is the worst actor and he's, so he's it better, kind, of, not great. kind of uh, ruined it for me a little bit just because the acting isn't very good. The story I did, I liked. I liked the monsters and I liked the way they looked. Um, but it just... Yeah, just the acting was so bad. It just took me out of it completely. Well, like I said, luckily for me, once they get onto the island and there's way less, like, dialogue acting that he has to do. Because, yes, his dialogue, I completely agree. He sounds like he's reading a line. And also, maybe uh, because I don't know H.P. Lovecraft, I found parts of it a bit confusing. And I wasn't sure... I was going to ask you about that. um, Why they were being chased. Like, I understood... A little bit because yeah. he... We're going to spoil this movie, by the he way. He runs so. into a guy who tells him about how the fish cre- yeah. f- fish creatures came to be. But I don't understand why yeah. they're, they're that way. Right. So I can explain to you from what I know from the story. But just going by in the movie, it has some pretty big plotting problems. Because they give the, the character that he meets, uh, whose name is Ezekiel, they give him a backstory that doesn't make sense, first of all. And then... <laughs> That's the backstory we learned about? 
Well, the backstory basically is that there was in this town of Imboka, uh, that it's a fishing fishing village, and the fishing suddenly dried up, and they weren't getting any fish, and they're praying to God, and he wasn't giving, answering their prayers. And this guy, who in the movie is just some guy, they don't really explain why, who the fuck he is or why he knows about this, tells them that he can get them fish, but they have, to, but they must turn away from the Christian God and praise the, the deity Dagon. Right? right. And so if they worship Dagon, he'll not only give them a better bountiful harvest of fish, but he'll also give them gold. You saw them picking up all this yeah. tons and tons and tons of gold, which has very little significance in the movie. It's just there, I think, so that Lovecraft geeks who remember it from the story will go, oh, that's the gold, that's cool, but they don't really do anything with it. Um, now, the problem is they make Ezekiel know this stuff because when he was a small boy, when he was a small child, his parents were uh, in the village, and he saw all this happen. Yeah, that made sense to me in the movie. It doesn't make sense, though, because that makes the timeline not work. Because if Ezekiel was a child, there isn't time for any of these creatures to be what they are. Because the only reason the people in the village look like fish people is because Dagon has sex with the women who are sacrificed to him, and they produce these hybrid humans. And as these creatures get older, they become more fish-like. That's why they start off relatively normal looking. They kind of touched on that with the princess octopus baby wanting to have sex with Paul. But I didn't understand why she was the princess. Because she was one of the children of Dagon. And she was the high priestess, but she was one of Dagon's children. See, that wasn't all. I didn't understand that. Well, she said that. She even says we are both children of Dagon. But she meant that literally. Oh, okay. I did not. Uh, yeah, I didn't so get that. She was then. explaining that's why she uh, Paul has these visions of this mermaid creature, whom he ends up meeting. And the explanation for why he's had visions of her is that he's actually her half brother. Both of their mothers were raped by Dagon, and they were spawned as a result of that. And that's where they came from. And that's why she has the. And then, you know, so again, I'm going to spoil this anyway. So when Paul goes to try and kill himself at the end, which bothered me a lot, uh, and he goes into the water, he has his gills, and he he's now live. One of the things is the children of Dagon are immortal once they become fully uh, amphibian, if you will. So once they go into the water, and they, they can they'll basically live forever as these de- deity monsters, these fish mm. monsters. And why, I don't understand why they... We're wearing people's faces. I can tell you why I think they're wearing them. They're wearing them because it was cheaper than making the fish people look good. But they already did make the fish people look good. But they show it in very quick little bursts. This movie cost like next to no money to make. They did this really on the cheap. And I think, mm. considering how cheap it is, it looks not bad. Like, yes, some of the effects are pretty cheesy, but they look like... You know, early Doctor Who episodes, like early new Doctor That's Who episodes. That's kind of what it know? reminded me of. I didn't like. I didn't like the special effects, but I did like the way they looked. The fish creatures yeah. looked, and I like the set design too. I agree. I think for how cheap this movie is, it looks pretty good. But I think that's why they added this whole skinning the people aspect. Paul discovers that these creatures are skinning humans and wearing their skin as as a suit. Which, if you think about it in the plot, makes no sense because these people don't want to be human. They're trying actively yeah. to become fish people. And then they wear them at the sacrifice. At the sacrifice. So, it doesn't make sense. So it only makes sense if you think for that many extras to wear really good prosthetics and look good, it would cost way too much. So we put on some really cheap leather masks and it adds like a cheap scare like, oh, they're skinning people. So that part for me, I'm like, that was clearly budget. Because budget, for budget, me, budget I... Don't know a lot about HP Lovecraft, but but what based on what you've told me, the it, the universes are so complex um, that 
I was just assuming everything was all connected, and and I don't really understand it, so it was a bit confusing yeah. for me. The thing is, the universes are complex, but we only ever see glimpses of them. So the stories themselves aren't that comp- confusing. It's the story the guy goes to investigate in's mouth. Uh, some scary stuff happens to him and he gets away but at the end he does more and more research and discovers that he actually is a descendant of Dagon and he is but he doesn't try to kill himself when he finds out he embraces it he's going to go break his cousin out of a mental institution who's also started to change and the two of them are going to go back to Innsmouth and live forever with Dagon it's a really cool ending where at the very end of the story you realize he is one of these fish creatures and is starting to transform and he's thrilled about it but uh you know, so the little changes they made make... I understand why they made some of the changes. And the parts that they kept in, they did a great job. Like the hotel scene, when he's trying to lock the door. Yeah. But the, door's been re- the lock has been removed. That's why the doorman gave him that specific key, so they could all come into the room and, and take him, right? So he goes and rips the, the lock off of the other door that connects to the other room and puts it on. And it's a really tense scene. It's a really well done thing. And that in the book is really great, too. Yeah, see, even his acting in that scene... Made it funny and comical. No, like when he's like looking for the screw and it's right in front of his face. He's like, oh, yes, I found it. Woo-hoo. He doesn't do that at all. And yeah, he they, does they that smile. He to point out how he doesn't see very well. Like, Yeah, but he does that smile, that cartoony like, aha moment, I found it. You are so exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I'm going to try and argue that he's good in the movie. I agree, he's pretty bad. But he's not as bad as you're saying. No, that it, he literally did no. that, and didn't. yeah, is is bad you, acting. Just saying the word literally when you mean figuratively doesn't make you can't just do that. You can't just say literally. The word literally has come to mean figuratively. That's so annoying. He did that. He was like he didn't go did that <sighs> smile. He really didn't. But okay. That like aha moment. I See, found it. See, it's clear it. by that point you were already like no against the film. And I wasn't just, against. You already decided that it was cheaply done, and you wanted to laugh at it more than go with it. No, I. You have to forgive it. No, I did just notice that it was more comical in that moment. Okay, I. I and totally also, didn't it was so out. obvious that something bad was going to happen in this hotel, and he still goes up to the room. Well, it's obvious to us because we've seen horror movies. Well, what he's supposed, what is he supposed to think? He ne- saw the gills on the guy's neck. He didn't neck. see gills. He saw weird lumps. He didn't know they were gills. We know they were gills because we know that they're fish monsters. He doesn't know that. In the context of the movie, he has no reason. If you walk into a, if you walked into a weird hotel and you saw a guy with weird lumps on his neck, would your first instinct be, oh, those are gills? He must be a monster, or would you go? Oh, that guy's got something weird on his neck. I'd be like, get me the fuck out of well, here. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> because you live in the real world and you don't know, and you know that there aren't fish monsters. As far as he knows, <laughs> there are no fish monsters. So the weird guy in the hotel is just weird and annoying, not fish monster. And the whole hotel is so dirty and grungy. Right. And he goes in and the light doesn't work. Where else is he going to go? And... Then he's like surprised when he walks into the bathroom and it's disgusting and he's gagging. He wasn't surprised. Yeah, he's like, this I, this doesn't fucking work. And he picks up the phone to complain. Yeah. And, the, and then he's surprised that the phone doesn't work. He's just... Again, well, he wasn't surprised. He was mad. So he was going to call down to the creepy guy. To get a different room. Yeah, I don't... Doesn't seem right. Nice. So you're saying that if you go into this bad situation, you're in this hotel that you're stuck in, and you walk into that room, you're just going to be like, oh, well, I guess this is fine. I'd be like, no, I'm leaving. I'm not telling anyone. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? You have no boat. You don't speak Spanish. You're you're told you. So if you're him and I'm the girl, you were told she's he's coming back and he's going to meet you in this room. So you don't know anybody. You don't speak Spanish and you have no boat. 
And so all you can do is wait in the room where they said I was going to come back. And you're telling me you're going to leave and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? I'll go into the forest. Where will you actually go? <laughs> Answer me seriously right now. Because right now, I agree with you that there's a lot of stuff about this movie that isn't great. But you're picking on things that actually work. No, they don't work. Of course they do. What, what else would he, should he have done? I would have gone and hid somewhere where Why? I could watch for you to come. Why would you hide? Because you know something creepy is going on. You don't know something is creepy. We do because we know we're watching a horror movie. As far as he knows, he's just been through a trauma and he's in a shitty little tiny fishing village in Spain somewhere. There's nothing... It's only creepy to us watching it because we know that they're fish monsters. No. He just thinks they're weird Spanish people. I just think it was bad. Okay. That part part didn't work for me. Okay. You, You haven't done a very good job explaining why not. I look that part isn't great it's really not like it's it's mediocrely done and his acting again brings it down but I'm so the way he says and does everything you're right isn't very good yeah but the fact that he says and does them isn't the problem it's the fact that the guy who's doing it isn't a very good actor that's the problem no I just don't think it's realistic at all well again okay alright well we'll have to agree to disagree on that part so um what about all the chase scenes and all the the, the, the... the bulk of the movie is him evading fish monsters. Did that work at all for you? A little. Can you be more specific <laughs> since this is a podcast and you're supposed to talk about the movie? Um, I liked how the fish creatures moved. It was creepy and um, a little bit intense, I guess. I like that they can't move very quickly because they're in various stages of transformation. Like, they're not fully human, so they can't move like fully human people. And they're not fully... And they're not fully fish, either. Fish. Um, The part that I I really did like one of the chase scenes was um, when he's in the car and getting away from the girl, the princess girl, and they're all around him and he's trying to start the car. Yeah, that was good. And Yeah, yeah, that that part was good. But I don't know, it just kind of fell flat for me, the chase scenes. Maybe it was because of the actor. Yeah, I would say some of them worked better than others. I mean, I've spent a lot of time defending this movie because I feel like a lot of the things you don't like about it aren't fair. Having said that, it's not a great movie. I don't think it's a great movie by any stretch. And if I wasn't already a fan of Lovecraft, I don't know if I'd like it as much as I did, especially since I could fill in my own blanks. See, you, you say I'm, I don't didn't give it a chance, but I... I don't know a lot about H.P. Lovecraft, but I love what you've told me about him. So I did want to like it. Yeah, but you early on decided that it was badly done, and so you like you like for you to talk about how this part was comical. Like that's what I mean. Like you'd pretty much given up on it being serious, and we're more just watching no. it for value. At that no, time. I was yeah, not. I you, were. you don't know my, what I'm thinking. I watched a lot of movies with you. No, I really was just <laughs> watching the movie, okay. Joey. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear it. Punch you in the throat. There were also some really good gore effects. Yeah. But. I don't know if I like them. They looked really well. I mean, the skinning part was great. Yes. It was horrible, but it was great. It was really well done. Because I've seen, there's other movies that I've done um, using people's faces as masks and mm-hmm. skinning them and stuff. But I, this is the first time I've ever seen in a movie where they've actually shown yeah. a whole, like, you don't, it does skin. not cut it's away yeah. from his face being cut off from his, mm-hmm. um, his skull. And it looked good. It did look good. So that part I was okay with, but there's this whole sequence at the end where Barbara is gonna is being chained up, and she's naked, and she's being chained to be sacrificed to Dagon, 
And I was already annoyed, started to be a bit annoyed because I, I was, I'm just, I'm tired of the trope of the damsel in distress. Like, Paul has to save her from the monsters and she can't do anything, even though she's way more capable of doing stuff than Paul, who is he did, pretty she much did, useless. She did seem smarter Oh, way than smarter. Paul. So then the fact that they just turn her into a prop to make Paul sad bugged me. And I, I just, I wasn't very comfortable with the way that they shot it. Like, they put some blood on her, but they made sure to make... Even though it was one nerd, that her good. tits still looked good, and I was like, "It's I get that it felt oddly sexual, like it was a little bit exploitative. Like it's all, she's already the fucking damsel in distress that he no, has to come I, rescue." I felt the same way about that. Like, like this it, it bothered here. me a little. Like that was something they added. Like they tried to add stakes. That was the major fault I have with the movie is that, and this is coming from the the guys like, why couldn't they just make the book? They added stakes by having him have to rescue his girlfriend. And, like, the the concept is scary enough. The plot is compelling enough yeah. without adding this element. If she had just died at the beginning, fine. Or if she had been... Even if they were still... If they still had to use the stupid damsel tropes, because how else do they introduce the idea that Dagon's having sex with these women and have it be shocking? Like, in the book, it's just something that you learn from the old guy when he tells the backstory. But in the movie, they want it to be like this big shocking thing, right? And and they also do the thing that I hate in media, where the girl makes him promise to kill her if they go never. Oh, oh, yeah, that was that's even worse. Than the, I just fucking hate that. Like it fit with the bad acting, that. though. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> it's even worse than just killing the girlfriend to uh, to give the hero something to be mad about. It's like. Forcing the hero to kill her and have it be heroic for him to do that. It's just like, it's the laziest fucking trope and it's just offensive. But, um, the, and the biggest problem with it is after all that, that he's gonna then kill himself, he falls in the water and he can breathe underwater and he's like, okay, I'm good. And him and the princess go off to be fish fuckers forever. <laughs> so I was like, why did you introduce his, like, if, if when he found out that he was a child of Dagon, he could have been, like, all about that. He could have just thought that was cool. Yeah. And off. Yeah. But, Instead, we get a scene of him burning himself and then falling into water and then being like, oh, this is cool. So that was dumb. It was a bit anticlimactic that way. Yeah, I'd say the beginning of the movie kind of started to lose me. The middle of the movie got me back on board and the last ten minutes kind of pissed away a lot of the goodwill I built up for the movie throughout it. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, I would recommend it, like especially I, if you're a Lovecraft fan. I even fan. tried to get into the bad acting part of it by like saying to myself, "It kind of reminds me of Goosebumps that way." Like, the, or "Are you afraid of the dark?" You know how the the kids like they do the dialogue that way mm-hmm. in those shows, but it's not. It's not. Are you afraid of the dark or Goosebumps? Yeah, I think <laughs> this movie could have been a lot better than it was if they had. Maybe have a bit more faith. In I don't the even mind that it's low budget. No, just, no, I mean, they I could have either. got good a good actor. Because for how low what the budget is, it looks great. I just think that the script is not great for the beginning and end because it tries to give us stakes and frame it in something that we can recognize and fill it with tropes that aren't necessary. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Well, the um, writing and then yeah, the acting is not very good. The could do you think the writing could have been saved by better actors? No. No, because it wasn't the dialogue that was bad. It was the way they said it. I mean, the whole first 20 minutes and Paul and Hera having their argument about their stock and him, like her throwing his laptop off the boat was fucking awful. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, some of the dialogue was bad, but some of it was really good. And the acting, in fact, Ezekiel, the character who played Ezekiel, Francisco Rabal, who actually, I guess, the movie was dedicated to because he must have died during the production. But 
I thought he was great. Who was he in he the movie? He was the old guy, the one who tells the backstory. Oh. I thought he was great. Yeah. And I thought all his dialogue was great. And I thought all the dialogue that uh, the prince, that the priestess said was good. I just, this, so the dialogue wasn't bad. It was just the, the scenario at the end, like the, the, the stakes they try to give us with having her be the damsel in distress. And the beginning was just weak sauce with bad acting. Mm-hmm. But the middle was pretty good. And it was really fun for me to see a, a pretty good adaptation of Shadow Over Innsmouth. So you say this movie worked for you or didn't work for you? I'm pretty mixed on it. I'd say I liked more of it than I didn't like. But uh, it's got a 56 on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty much what I would... Like, I was, if I was going to give it my score out of 10, I'd give it about a 5, maybe a 6. Stop it! There's an eyelash on you. Well, fucking tell me and I'll take it off. I'll just grab my face. <laughs> Shithead. That's funny. I was trying it's to be discreet funny. about oh, is that it. what you were doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, if I have to give it my score out of 10, I'm going to give it a 6, but it's probably closer to a 5. You know what? I'll give it a 5. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna do it. So it's a five. So if you're already a Lovecraft fan, I would say watch this movie. If you haven't read the story, I would say don't bother with the movie. Just go read the story because it's way better. I give it a three out of ten. Okay, that's not unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, still, it was fun to see that story that I like so much. But yeah, just read the book, guys. It's a lot better than the movie. Do I get to say what we're watching next? No, we do that at the end of the show. We have a whole other segment to go. Have you never... This, do, you, do you remember this show we sometimes do together, this podcast? I forget sometimes. I watched it. it I, do, I do forget. You you forgot the beginning intro on our, on our first take. Yeah, which now you're mentioning after you made me get rid of, so now... I didn't make you get rid of it. I just asked yeah, you. you. did. Nicole, what? we're going to play a game. A game that you've won two weeks in a row. In fact, you've won three of the last four. What am I out of? Out of how many? I don't know. Done? I'm not counting it. Who cares? Oh. All right. I care. I don't care. Can you count for next time mm, for maybe. me? Maybe. So, Nicole, we're going to play the true story game. The following is based on a true story. I'm going to tell you four movies, their titles and their synopses, but one of them is a big fat phony, and you have to use your skill and judgment to determine which of the following is the big fat phony. My Are you ready to play the following is based on a true story? I am. My skill and judgment have been pretty good. The following is based on a true story. Film number one. Oh, by the way, the caveat for this episode, all of these are kung fu films. This is our kung fu theme. Well, I'm not going to get the, any of these. I don't care. This is the kung fu. Ready? Ready. Film number one. This one has a bit of a longer description. Film number one. Deep Thrust. <laughs> yeah. A young man is severely beaten by Japanese mobsters and left for dead on the beach. He's nursed back to health by a pretty young girl, and he vows to take revenge on the criminals. Meanwhile, Miss Tian Li Chun comes to town with a score to settle with Ling. Apparently, her sister was jilted by Ling, and she killed herself, so Tian must avenge her by taking his life. Ling begs her to spare him until after he gets his revenge, to which she reluctantly agrees, only to save his life after he gets mercifully beaten by his enemies. That is a long description. I know. I tried to shorten it, but there's too many details. Film number two. Swordsman with an umbrella. <laughs> a swordsman out for revenge who totes around a Japanese-style umbrella. He uses this umbrella to fly and throw it at his enemies. What? He flies? Like Mary Poppins. That's the one you made up, didn't you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Film number three. They call me Fat Dragon, but it's fat like P.H. 
That sounds so stupid They call me Fat Dragon. In a small town somewhere in 19th century China, two brothers, each using their own particular style of martial arts, defeat a bully of a fighter who is terrorizing the town. Their fat master of martial arts hones his students' skills with food-based training. It's kind of like Kung Fu Panda. Kind of like Kung Fu Panda, (laughs) yeah. yeah. It's a lot like Kung Fu Panda. I wonder why that. I thought that sounded familiar when I made it up. (laughs) Film number four, Kung Flu. Kung Fu masters must use the magic of the temple to enter the body of the emperor to save him from the disease that is ravaging his body. They discover a rival clan. They discover a rival clan to be the cause of the disease and must battle them inside the body of the emperor. So they magically go in, like shrink and go into the body of the emperor to fight this other clan who is ravaging the emperor's body with disease. So, is it Deep Thrust, which is the most nonsensical title? Is it Swordsman with an Umbrella? Is it They Call Me Fat Dragon? Or is it Kung Flu? Okay. I think any of the last three you made up. <laughs> you don't think Deep Thrust is made up? No. Is it because it's so fucking specific and like detailed? Yeah. yeah. That's a real movie, I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I tried so hard to shorten it. Yeah, Deep Thrust is a real movie. So, got Mary Poppins on so, the so umbrella. With an umbrella. They call me Fat Dragon. Kung Fu Panda. And Kung Flu. Kung Flu. See, Kung Flu sounded cool until they shrunk and went in his body. Well, I said it from the beginning. They use magic to enter the body of the Emperor. See, I always think that's like a metaphysical... Sort of metaphor. Well, I haven't seen the movie. Maybe it is. It doesn't say that they shrink. I just assume that if they're going to fight other kung fu guys inside of him, that they would have had to have shrunk. But And you kind of slipped up when you were talking about the third movie. They call me Fat Dragon? Yeah. So Did I? Think I? That's, yeah. When I... You, you made it a little bit obvious. <laughs> so it's either two or three. So it's either Swordsman with Umbrella or They Call Me Fat Dragon? No, or the... I mean two or four. Oh, okay. I think. Um, I think number two is fake. Swordsman with an umbrella is fake? Yes. Final answer? Yes. Okay. So you think Mary... You think I made up Mary Poppins? (laughs) (laughs) The Mary Poppins of Samurai, of ninjas? Why would you think that? (laughs) Okay, Deep Thrust is a real movie. Yeah, I figured. The Call Me Fat Dragon is a real movie. Okay. I was Which right. I didn't think I didn't think of the Kung Fu Panda connection until like just now. I'm like, that's exactly why that sounds familiar. Swordsman with an umbrella is a real movie. Oh my god! Which means Nicole, <laughs> it's called Kung Flu. The emperor is sick, and they go inside his body like Osmosis Jones to fight the germs. Kung Flu. It's another bad pun. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't get this one. I was when I wrote this, I was like, "This is the worst one I've ever done." She's I gonna told get this you. In a second. I told you I wasn't going to get the kung fu one. Oh, I just thought that because like I came up with the title and had to find a way for that to make sense with the title. See, the movie sounded first. real though. You did good. The movie. Thank sounded you. Real. I actually would totally watch kung fu. I think I might make Kung Flu into a comic because that's, like that's another good idea. I want to watch Mary Poppins. I want to watch Osmosis Jones, yeah. <laughs> the Mary I want Poppins to see Swordsman with an umbrella. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, anyway, you didn't win this week, Nicole. Your win streak has been snapped yet again. You've never been able to go more than two in a row. It's hard. This is a hard game. It's only hard if you're not a genius. Are you a genius? Obviously not. Oh, sweet. You'll be so hard on yourself. <laughs> 
So I win this week, but uh, who knows? Next week could be something totally different. We don't know. We haven't got there yet. What movie are we watching next week, love? Um, we are watching The Raven. Right, and before anyone complains, we know it's not technically a horror movie. But it has Edgar Allan Poe in it. Yeah, he's the main character. And well, you, you did, well, you got to kind of do your favorite, like, historical or my favorite horror, horror writer. And so I wanted to do something about mine. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe was one of the major influences on H.P. Lovecraft. Edgar Allan Poe is one of my favorite writers of all time. He's very good. And I, this is a movie that, when did it come out? 2012. Yeah, I saw previews for it and I wanted to see it and I never did. So now is the perfect opportunity to see it. I remember I saw the trailer. I thought it looked interesting. I know that it was directed by uh, James McTeague, who directed <laughs> um, V for Vendetta. It looks like a horror movie. The previews made it look like a horror movie. Yeah, it's movie. a murder mystery. And it also it got like absolutely mm-hmm. savagely ripped apart in the reviews. Apparently it's terrible. Murder, but... murder is horrific. You're stretching a little bit, but okay. <laughs> it's fine. We've stretched a few things for yeah, this show. Yeah, this is less of a stretch maybe than Room 237, so I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Oh, sh- I, oh I, I thank wanna, you. I want to see it. I've been wanting to see it. I'm defending you. Don't yell at me, mister. I'm Man, not... Mrs. You. I love you. Uh, so that's going to wrap us up this week for Bride of the Creature on a longer episode than usual, but uh, I got talking about Lovecraft. If you want to talk about Lovecraft with me, send us email. <laughs> uh, I say that on every show, but no one ever does. So, oh. You know what? Fuck you. Don't send email. I don't want to read don't, your stupid emails. Don't turn people off. Fuck you, clowns. No, don't. Don't listen to him. We one love, of the we no love ever you. One sends us email at you that I never say what the address is. Uh, it's brideofcreature at geekstampede.com. <laughs> so you might want to... Uh, what is it? Brideofcreature at geekstampede.com. Yay. Yeah, so send us emails unless I just totally alienated you with that little rant. Which is possible, but whatever. I'll do what I want. Alright, so until next week, I am the creature Joey G. And I'm the pride, Nicole G. Y'all stay scary now. Kissy kissy. Tulufatagan. How could this woman ever decide to wed this man?